Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Good morning and welcome to Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. It is good to see each and every one of you this morning. I want to welcome you here this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're going to ask you to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Place an offering plate that comes around so we can have a record of your visit. We greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well. Ask you to consider being right here in the sanctuary with us to experience what God is doing at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Well, my goodness, it is so good to see each and every one of you. It was really good to wake up this morning and not have 100 degrees at 7 a.m., praise God. Also, we want to thank God for the upcoming rain. Thank God that He has placed His blessing upon us. We live in a country where we're still free to worship God Almighty. We still gather in His name on His day and give glory to His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? It is a blessed day. And with that in mind, we need to remember to pray for Israel. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Bible tells us, may they prosper who love thee. So if you're one of those who says, why do I need to pray for Israel? Why do I need to pray for Jerusalem? Well, number one, the Bible tells us to. Amen? Number two is we need to pray for Israel so that their eyes will open, so they will come to know Jesus Christ, the personal Lord and Savior, that they will look and find out that He is the Messiah that's been prophesied, that He's the one that they've been waiting to come so long ago. He's already come. And what's more is He's getting ready to come back. Amen? That's enough to get excited about right there. I could start preaching myself happy this morning, thinking about the return of Jesus Christ. Well, so with that in mind, too, there is war going on in Israel, and rockets are flying into Israel and, and over Israel. Of course, Israel is gearing up for an uh, uh, imminent ground war. So please be in prayer for them in that. Uh, but our greatest prayer, not only for safety for the people of Jerusalem, but that they would come to know Jesus, the personal Lord, say they open their eyes to the Messiah. All right. Uh, I want to assure you of this, though, that when the last rocket drops, the last missile explodes and the last bomb is dropped, the flag of Israel will still be flying over Jerusalem. The Bible tells us, yes, the Bible tells us He will not take His eye off of His people. And we can trust in that. And we can put that to work in our lives. All right. So, with that in mind, I want to give you a little update on what's happening in the Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. We have a lot of things happening today. Uh, today, after services at 4.30, we're going to have cantata practice. If you want to be a part of that, if you're in there, come and help us sing our Christmas cantata. 6 o'clock, we'll have our evening services. And let me tell you, I don't want to miss that service. Monday night, interesting thing is happening. Monday night, we're having our talk Christmas outreach. It's going to be combined with our Way of the Master class. Way of the Master is going to help staff that. And we're going to reach out and uh, go to some of the communities here in Cotton Stove and talk to them about our country outreach. So if you're interested in that, you can meet us in the parking lot at 6 p.m. tomorrow night. Way of the Master, that's where class will be. It's our way of week six, our way of the Master. So what we'll do is combine week six and seven the following week. So we have double the homework, but double the pleasure. Amen? So those are the things you need to be a part of in that. Uh, don't forget, we always have our ladies' Bible study Tuesdays at 9.30 and at 6.30 p.m. Don't forget, Wednesday night service at 6.30, followed by men's Bible study at Thursday at 6.30. If you've missed out on Ms. Prayer Breakfast, you missed out on a blessing. I understand it was a wonderful devotion. I understand it was wonderful food there. And so, unfortunately, I had to miss it. But I did get blessed by going to watch my third son swim in his third swimming competition of the year, where he did so well. We are so proud of him. 
thank you for understanding. Thank you for forgiving us. And, and thank you for allowing us to have that family time. It was a blessing to see Jude Trinity do that. We are so proud of him. All right. Um, other than that, church, I want to remind you next Sunday we are having our fifth Sunday singing in the evening. That means there will be no cantata practice next week. Now, this week is cantata practice. So don't be calling up Mark saying, I ain't coming, no cantata practice. But that's next Sunday, no cantata practice, because we're going to have a potluck supper at 5. And so there's going to be a main entree provided by the church where we're looking for people to help bring sides and to bring desserts and things of that nature, uh, breads and chips and things like that. We're expecting a couple of churches to join us in that. So prayerfully consider being a part of that. Also, if you would like to sing in that, we want to give you a spot to do that. We have several people already uh, come in and say we want to sing in it. And so some of those churches should be singing as well. And so I'm really, really looking forward to this blessed time of a uh, fifth Sunday singing. So it's just a singing service next Sunday night. But it's going to be a time of fellowship and a time of blessing. So we're going to ask you to be a part of that as well. Uh, coming up November 3rd, church, we're having our Operation Christian Child fundraiser meal. And that is going to be a wonderful time where you can get together and fellowship in the fellowship hall with our church members. Or you can bring friends and family as well. What you got to do, though, is pick up your tickets. Or you can give it at the door that night. Is that right, Esther? Give it at the door that night as well. Okay. Okay. Praise God. And that's what you're here, Miss Esther. She said, do uh, all RCPs are greatly appreciated. And, of course, if you wait for the day of, you still need to call her ahead of time so she can see make that for you. And so that's our Operation Child fundraiser, fundraiser meal. And those tickets are on sale now. You can get them to the church office or you can get them to Sister Esther right there. All right. Uh, also want to remind you that October 28th, uh, Saturday, we'll have our Operation Christian Child Craft Day workshop. A work day that's going on in, will it be in the fellowship hall this time? I think it will be. So, uh, we had some renovations going on in Sunday morning, but I think those renovations are complete now, and they can now move back into the fellowship hall for that. Uh, all right, November 5th, please mark the calendars for that. Sunday evening, Operation Christmas Child Packing Party coming up. So, prayerfully consider being a part of that, helping us pack those shoe boxes. We need your help in it. We're planning on packing 450 of those shoe boxes. So we need your help in that. It's a great time to bring family and friends and loved ones. Is there anyone who's interested in Operation Christian Child? That's a great time to bring them and be a part of that. We also need volunteers coming up for our National Collection Week, November 13th through the 20th. And so if you're interested in that, you can get more details from Sister BJ on that. And I believe the sign-up sheet is coming out. So perfectly consider being a part of that as well. I think that's about it for our announcements as I've forgotten anything. So then, in the children's area again, so the Operation Christian Child Crafting Day on the 28th will be in the children's area again. Thank you, Brother Dan, for that question. Thank you, Sister Esther. Sister Esther. Okay. So you can get your OCC dinner to go as well. Praise God. And, uh, all right. Does anybody else have any other announcements? Turn around here. Going once, twice, three times. Sold to the highest bidder, Brother God. Amen. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. After we pray, I want to ask you to please rise and welcome one another. Father God, we thank you on Jesus' name. And thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Lord, it seems like each and every one of us has a spirit of kindness. I pray you wake us up today. Touch us with your spirit. Let today be a day, Lord, of joy, a day of rejoicing, a day, Father God, where we can give you glory praise, that you might lift up and exalt your holy and righteous name, Lord. And I pray right now, Father God, 
you'd wake us up, Lord. Reignite that fire in us, Lord God, and use us today to glorify and magnify you. Be with our church members through our families. Be with our church members through our home, not seeing the well. Let them know they're loved and they're prayed for. And I pray, Father God, that you take charge and you glorify and you worship you this morning. Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all please rise and welcome one another. If you would, please start returning to your seats. We have a short Operation Christmas Child video I'd love for you to see. No video? Okay. In that case, we're going to nick that on the video. Um, but I do want to ask questions for the CD. Did you wish to present that today or next week?
not here. You know, there's sirens ringing in hell right now, too. <laughs> and I want you to know something. If you'll put Jesus Christ in your heart, you'll hear the angels singing today. Baptism is a very special time in the life of a believer. It's a picture of what happens in their heart. Baptism is not what saves you. Baptism is not what cleans you. Baptism is not what makes you whole or right with God. It's a picture of what's already been done by the power of God through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. See, when a believer puts Jesus in their heart, what happens is, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that God makes Him who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So we become right in Christ. In other words, we die to ourselves and we live in Christ. Or more importantly, Christ comes to live in us. And so baptism is that picture. You're going to see today a picture of that. Somebody who comes down into the water being buried and coming back up alive. Baptism is for believers. It's not for babies. It's not for new church members. It's for somebody who understands what baptism is. So I want to read to you now from the book of Acts, chapter 8. The Bible tells us, Then Philip opened his mouth and began with the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him.
step. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, good to see each and every one of you this morning. It's always a blessing to be a part of sacraments, if you will, or ordinances of the church. Love to be a part of those things. It's something that thrills my heart. week as I spent a lot of time in prayer on the message to bring to you from the morning. From the morning is my evangelistic time. Don't get me wrong, I, I'm always an evangelist. That is what I do. That is what motivates me. That is what message inspires me. The cross, the preaching of the cross. Um, salvation of souls. Over the last year, thirty years, that is my prime focus. I remember in five The Sunday night times are the times I teach a little bit about Christian life in my own way. I teach about what it takes to victory in Christian life, how to live out. Sometimes we equip you on how to share the gospel with yourself. Probably this morning's message is it's time. Did we? 
never about winning an area. The gospel is not about winning a place. It's about winning souls. When you try to make souls into something physical, to a place you can put on a map, we're already wrong, and it's time to do the things right. Romans 13, 11 tells us, and do this. This is the Apostle Paul. Coming close to the end of the greatest treatise on salvation. This book tells us what salvation is. tells us why salvation happens. It tells us how to get things. It describes to us what Christianity is. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship. Romans 13, 11 tells us, also then do this. He's talking to that church as well. And do this. Knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Our Father in heaven, we took the name of Jesus' name. Oh, how we thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray right now you reach out and touch the stars and send anyone need to come to know you personally, Lord, to save you. Anyone needs to get their heart right with you. For anyone, Father God, that needs to become a part of Robert's life here. And the next day we get to we want to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. Ask you to edify us, to equip us, to encourage us. Move in our hearts. Do a work in us. It's time for the Apostle Paul. So when I think about time, I love to think about something like this. What do you think? Some of you know what that picture is. Some of you grew up like me, and that's the worst thing you've ever seen. Amen? You know what that says? That says it's time to get up and time to go to work. It says it's time to get yourself to school. It says it's time to get this done, get that done, to go on doing this. It's time to go home. There's a phrase you don't hear much anymore. It's time to go home. That is a valuable lesson. We need to, it's time to reteach that lesson. Somebody say amen. Some folks come visit you and they never leave. Well, <laughs> after you're using the pulpit as a whipping block now. <laughs> no. But when I grew up, that was my alarm clock. That is not a picture of my old alarm clock. There was one very similar to it. And I remember when I first got married, Betsy said, I hate your alarm clock. Because I would set that alarm clock and move it on purpose across the room. That means I had to get up out of the bed and turn it off. And if you get up out of the bed, you're up. That alarm would go off. That alarm said to me a million different things. Get up! It's time to go to work. Get up! It's time for you to be somewhere. Get up! No matter how early it may be, hammering on those two bells will wake you up. Some of you say, I wish you could get that alarm clock to my teenage son. They still sell them. What you got to do, though, is realize it's time to take this out of your system. That right there has replaced so much in our lives. It's replaced the ability to communicate. It's replaced the ability to see face to face. You have people now who say, don't call me. I don't even want to hear your voice. I want to text it. And what's funny is they read emotion in text. Read emotion in text. Did marital counseling about two weeks ago. And as I sat down with a husband and a wife, both of them sit across from me in my office. You've been in my office. You know what she says. I'm talking about it. Sit down inside of there. And both of them were on their phone. Four weeks on each other. Talk to one another. Anyway, 
point is this. Alarm clock brings all kinds of time for us. Time to get up, time to get moving, time to be somewhere, time to go somewhere, time to do something, time to be a part of something. And the Apostle Paul makes no mistakes about it. The Apostle Paul breaks no bones in. The Apostle Paul tells us it is time. It is time. And let me tell you something, church. Welcome to everybody, church. Let me tell you something. If you're online joining us, it is time for you to step out. It is time for you to get involved. It is time for you to be a part of what God is doing in this church today. So when we read something like Romans 13, it talks about the time. You should be thinking of an alarm clock. That's exactly what Paul is trying to express here. He said, ring the bell. It's time. It's an alarm. Get up. Sound the siren. Sound the alarm. It's time to get moving. That's what Paul tells us. And do this. And it goes with your thoughts. And do this. So that brings to mind our sermon this morning. Do what? And do what? What should a Christian be doing? In fact, that's the question of all questions, isn't it? I'm sorry, y'all. I was asked to stay behind the pulpit today. What should a Christian be doing? What should you be doing? What should you be doing right now, especially if it's time to be doing something? What should you be doing? What should Christians be focused on? You know, there's lots of things that we can be focused on as a church right now. We can be focused on what's happening in Israel. And we can be launching all kinds of aid. We can be taking up collections. We can be praying for the weak, for the hungry. And those things are all good things. Praise God. We can get caught up in other causes and other calls and other cases. The Bible is about what you should be doing. You should. Not me. Not everyone else. You. That we all have a specific job to do. So most people come to you and say, Pastor, what's my job? You know, that's for you to decide. That's for you to figure out. That's for you to find out where you fit in what we call the body of Christ. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time deciding what the body of Christ is, but I think we need to refresh your mind sometimes. Because a lot of times, some pieces of the body like to try to overpower other pieces of the body. Do you know what I'm talking about this morning? Sometimes elbows say we're more important than toes. And I want you to know something. If you ever stub your toe, you'll know that toes can overpower elbows real quick. You ever cut your finger and got salt on it? It'll overcome your mouth real quick. You ever hit your thumb with a hammer? It'll overcome your mind. The Apostle Paul tells us, and do this. You have a job in the body of Christ. You do. you got a job in the body of Christ. And you, in your prayer time, you, in your Bible reading, you, in finding out how you fit and how you function in the church, have to realize where you fit in the body of Christ. Now, that's where mentors come in. That's where elders come in. That's where deacons come in. That's where pastors come in. And they help you find where you fit. And it's a process. It's not an overnight thing. It's not, well, this is what you look good doing. And this is where you should be. It's also not one of these. Hey, it's a one-size-fit-all job, so if you lose a little bit of weight, you can fit into this position right here. Or if you get a little bit more biblically knowledgeable, then you'll be that right there. And that seems to be what the modern church puts on its people nowadays. But that's not biblical either. So what are we talking about here? 
The Apostle Paul tells us, and do this. In fact, he tells us it's time for it. And not only is it time for it, we should have been doing it a long time ago. In fact, Paul says, do this, knowing the time. Do this. In fact, I'd love for you to go back and read that verse with me again. Let's read it again, shall we? The Bible tells us, and do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Get up, says the Apostle Paul. Wake up. Smell the coffee. This world is falling apart around you, and we've been worried about other things. I want to talk to you bluntly for a minute this morning. Church, now I'm not talking just to Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. I'm talking to every church in the world. And I wish and pray that sometimes our message could go to other churches. We get caught up in social justice when we have no business being a part of social justice. Our cause, our call, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what we're supposed to be doing. And we get caught up in disputes of fairness. We get caught up in save the whale. We get caught up in hard to pray, somebody we get caught up in all kinds of causes that aren't they're good, but they're a waste of time when it comes down to what the real call for the church is. Our call is to bring the gospel. Now listen to me. Our call, your call, my call, your call in life is to bring the gospel to the lost, to the dying, to the hopeless, to the broken, to the poor in spirit, to those in prison. Your job is to declare Jesus Christ to this lost and dying world. And not just to declare it, but to live it. And the Apostle Paul tells us, and do this. He told us, wake up. You know what time it is. Wake up. Do you have a problem like I do? You say, Pastor, what's your problem? I know everybody gets real close when Pastor says he's got a problem. You know what my problem is? I wake up about six minutes before the alarm goes off every day. That will drive you insane. Somebody say amen. I want that five minutes of sleep like that. And I've been waking up like that for years. And it doesn't matter what I set the alarm clock set up for 5 a.m. I'm going to get up at 455. That'll kill your soul right there. You set it for 9. If you get to sleep in, you're going to wake up at 855. What's wrong with me? Are you one of those guys right there? You know what it is? Because you know the time. Your body inherently knows the time. And I want you to know something, Christian. If you've got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the soul is inside of you. The spirit inside of you inherently knows. Y'all are looking at me like a child, a brand new kid. That's right. You know something? The Bible tells us. Now, I'm talking about the book of Romans here. The Bible tells us that he's given us the mind of Christ. He reveals to us the mind of Christ. The Spirit in you, if you become a Christian, you get the Holy Spirit. And God's Spirit reveals to each person as we are able to understand. Each and every one of us. You know, this is easy teaching. This is understandable teaching. We grow in those things. We grow in grace. We grow in knowledge. But there is something that every one of us should know. The moment you put Jesus in your heart, the moment you get born again, you should already start thinking, the clock is a big countdown. It is a big countdown. We are running Paul says, wake up! He says, wake up! And you know what time it is. As Christians, we need to know what time it is. Right now, Christians are all over TV, all over YouTube, all over the radio. They're putting out pamphlets and blogs. And they're all telling you, I know what time it is. 
If we were on a 12-hour clock and we're getting close to midnight, they're saying it's 11.59 and 59 seconds right now. Get saved right now. Give your heart to Jesus right now. Start on a mission trip right now. Start being busy because Jesus is coming back. In one second, we're like, one, one, one. You know what I'm talking about? That's how we're talking You need to know what time it is. In fact, he gives us a little bit of a warning, though. He tells us, even now, it's one day closer. Christians, we need to know what time it is. So think about it like this. So think about your Christian walk a little bit differently this morning. Think about it like you have a job. In a secular job, you have a start time, don't you? Unless you're a millennial, then you get to go into work whenever you want most of the time, you have a lunch time. Unless you're one of those guys that loves to tell people, I'm so busy and I'm so important to the work site that I work right through lunch. Yeah, you're also that dude that went to school up to both ways, barefooted and in the snow. You know what I'm talking about? You also have a stop time. Unless you're one of those people that says, it's too important for me to lay down. It's never too important for me to lay down. We're talking about a secular job now. Secular job, you have a start time. That means there's a time that's been designated for you to be there. And if you get there a little past the time you're supposed to be there, you're what? You're late, go like this. If you get there before the designated time, you're what? And that means you're a good Baptist here, because Baptists never show up late. Somebody say amen. Go like this in the Baptist church, right? We're never late. Oh, please, we're always late. Only time we're not late is for dinner, amen? You have a start time in a secular job. You have a lunch time. And let me tell you, lunch times are very, very important. Very important, especially if you work in some very high jobs. I'm not talking about big money earning jobs, but important jobs. Lunch times are important to those supervisors because they have OSHA standards. They have other standards. The safety standards they have to meet. They have to prove they're sending their employees to lunch at certain times. And if they don't, they will lose their job. They have important things as well. So on your secular job, you have start time, let's just say it's 8 a.m. You have a lunch time, let's say it's 12, and you have a stopping time, perhaps it's 4. doesn't matter when you're in I say, I'd love to have those banker's hours. No, you don't. Banker's hours work six days a week. I know I'm married to one. You always talk about easy hours? No, you don't. Not just that, but she's never but a phone call away. Can you come in? Can you come in? Can you do this? Can you do that? It'll just take you a few minutes. It'll never take you a few minutes. It takes 47 hours. I'm excited. You have a, but you do have a start time. And you do have a lunch time. And you have a stop time. So, if we were now to apply that to Christianity, because the Apostle Paul says, you should know what time it is. You need to know what time it is. Then you have a start time. If you've got a Christian job, You've got a Christian career. Let me tell you something about Jesus Christ. If you have a relationship with Him, you've been given a job. You've been given an assignment. You've been given a task. That task is, believe it or not, to seek and to save that which is lost. That's our job. That's what we do. We're not here to build big, huge churches. We're not here to build big, huge programs. We're not here to fund 
all kinds of things going on all over the world. We are here to bring the gospel to the lost and the dying in sin. Somebody say amen. That is our purpose. That is what we do. And when we take that focus off, we're not right. Don't get me wrong. There's other good causes and things we should help out and things we should be a part of. But our number one cause, our number one goal is to bring the gospel to the lost. In fact, you should be a Christian looking at the lost in your family. You should be looking at the lost in your friend circle. You should be looking at the lost in your work circle. Looking at the lost in the areas that you go around. And if every Christian took their job seriously, well, how different would things be today? They will pass the preaching to the choir, literally. So, but if you would look at it like you did at Second of God, and you'd have a start time, a designated time for you to be at work. And let's say it's 8 a.m. It doesn't matter, though, when you need to be at work 8 a.m., 7 a.m., 5 a.m., it doesn't matter. The point is that you've got a time to be there. And as a Christian, if we were to kind of put those side by side, your start time for your job was when you met. In fact, look at me in Ephesians 5, verse 14. The Bible tells us, Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Open your eyes. You've been asleep, and you have missed out on all these things that are happening right there. Get yourself up. Wake up. Put Jesus Christ in your heart, and get to work. And perhaps I'm preaching to you this morning, and I hope and pray that I am. You need to put Jesus in your heart, in your life. Get up out of your bed. Get up off of your couch, and get into the army of God. Ephesians 5.14 tells us, Awake you who sleep. Hear that alarm right now. You need to get saved. You need to get right with God. You need to make sure where you're going. In fact, if you were to answer this question right now, how would you answer it? If you were to go right now, if you were to die right now, would you be 100% sure you'd go to heaven? If you can't answer that question, you can't answer it with 100% yes. And you need to come to Jesus this morning. You need to get your heart right with Jesus. You need to get your walk right with Jesus. You need to get your relationship right with Him this morning. However, though, we're looking at Christianity as a job, as something God has given us to do, a task. And we have a start time. And your start time is when you met Jesus Christ. In other words, you started on the job right then and there. And when we get on jobs, I don't know about you, but I've had plenty of times I've had the first days on a job. They're stressful. They're fun. And sometimes they're like, I did not ask to be in a place like this. This is more than I'm arguing for. Or... This is not what I thought it was going to be. You ever had some places like that? But your start time is when you met Jesus Christ. And you, like anybody else on the first day of the job, are looking around at people saying, what are they doing? Why are they doing it? Where are they going? Who do they report to? What is their job? What is their purpose? Why are they doing that? And somebody tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's where the majority of Christians spend their Christianity. Right there. Staying, sitting there in the pew saying, what am I supposed to be doing? Where am I supposed to go? Who's supposed to have this? Who's supposed to do that? Who's supposed to get this? What am I supposed to be doing? You already know you got a job. That's throughout the New Testament. That is a commission that Jesus has given us. It is a calling that Jesus has given us. It is a burden that every Christian should have. Our hearts should be broken for the lost. Amen? If it isn't broken, you've got a relationship problem. Your heart should literally bleed every time a sinner dies and goes to hell. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said it best. He said it like this. He said, Have you no wish for the lost to be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. Be sure of that, said Charles Spurgeon. My point is, though, you put Jesus Christ in your heart, you got the job. You got the job. You got hired. 
and you now have an assignment. Of course, you might say, I need somebody to come speak to me what to do. But you do. You got somebody. You do. You got somebody. He came to live with you the moment you put Jesus in your heart. It is the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen on that? You're supposed to be listening to the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be directed by the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be in God's Word, in God's house, with God's people. He's going to show you where you go, what you do, what you say, and what you're supposed to be doing right now. The problem is, though, as Christians, most of us say, well, I need the Holy Spirit to manifest something to me. I need a gift. I need some sort of prophecy. I need some sort of direction where somebody comes up and says, do this for me and show me how to do it. Wrong. Wrong. Now, there's one thing I could bless my old pastor for, and I do. I bless him all the time. He did not teach me how to write a sermon. I remember the first wedding I ever did. I came to him and said, Pastor, oh, Pastor, I've been asked to do a wedding. I'm excited. How do I do a wedding? You know what he told me? Did God call you to be a preacher? I said, yeah. He's like, figure it out. Praise God. Let me tell you, if you have to do it for them, then they were not called for preaching. If they're not preaching somewhere, then they were not called for preaching. Most people say, I want to preach, but I want to preach behind the pulpit. I don't want to preach in the nursing home. I don't want to preach out on the streets. I don't want to preach in HEB or 7-Eleven or Walmart. If you don't want to preach there, you were not called to preach. Because your heart won't let you stop. God called you. The Holy Spirit inside of you won't let you. It's going to lead you, guide you, direct you, show you what to do. He is your hands-on job trainer. Well, like this, every day man now. I'm preaching to young Christians this morning. I got a bunch of them here in this past couple of weeks. We've been driving, we've been traveling, we've been getting people saved, and we're coming back into the church and we're saying, Now what do I do? I've been baptized. What's next, Pastor? Get yourself with the Holy Spirit. Start talking to him. He is the most ignored church member ever. He's been moving. He's been speaking. He's been talking. How do I know people are getting saved? How do I know new people are coming to church? How do I know people are getting invited to church? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to new people. You know what happens, though? Sooner or later, we get old and we get sent back. And we tell the Holy Spirit, I got this. I don't need you anymore, don't we? Hey, I know how to do it. Who are you talking to, pal? I'm an old seasoned pro of 30 years. <laughs> Could you imagine telling that to the Holy Ghost? We do it, though, all the time. How dare you tell me how to do my job? Holy Ghost is like, I'll talk to you how to do your job. However, your start time, when you start your job, is when you met Jesus Christ. We read the scriptures there, Ephesians 5, 14. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you life. So when was your start time? Your start time was when you realized, now listen to me now, it's when you realized that Christianity isn't just a religion. Your start time is when you realize that Christianity was a relationship. If you've come to church for some sort of religious duty, then you are not walking with Jesus, and you are not saved. If you come to the church to worship the only begotten Son of God, then you can start realizing my Christianity is religion, it's relationship. And when you come to that realization, you start the job. You get the job when you realize that Christianity isn't just a religion, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. Some of us say, I need that relationship. And you do. You do. And you need to have it. And you need to be a part of it. Without it, 
you will not go to heaven. The Bible tells us in John chapter 10 that his sheep know his voice. They will not follow a strange shepherd's voice. And if you don't hear his voice, you are not one of his sheep. I'll ask you a question. Have you heard his voice? Now, the next part time, and I'm running out of time quickly now, and I can spend the next two weeks talking about your starting time and getting to work and doing what God has called you to do. What has God called you to do? Has God called you to be a deacon? Then you need to get deacon. Has God called you to preach? You need to get preaching. Has God called you to teach? Get to teaching. Has God called you to witness? Get to witness. Has God called you to testify? Then, my goodness, testify. But the next question you have, every worker I am no exception to this. Hey, when's lunch? When's lunch? Now, we're in a Baptist church today, but going, amen. When's lunch? In fact, the ne- next most important question is what for lunch? Amen. When's lunch? Because, you know, lunchtime is really important, whether you believe it or not. Like I said before, you might be one of those guys who says, well, when I go to work, lunch isn't important to me. Well, bully for you. That's right. Lunch is important to me. Why? Because lunch tells me, now listen to me, lunch tells me when my employer gives me a lunchtime, it tells me that my employer thinks I'm worth having lunch. If they say you don't have lunch, and what they're telling you is that you're not worth it. We need to get every ounce of work out of you, the little PR. No, you're worth lunch. Why are you worth lunch? Because you're a human being. You are. Don't let anyone tell you you're not. And let me tell you something about Christianity. God says you're worth His only begotten Son. Somebody say amen. You are worth His Son. You are worth His blood. I want you to know something about God. He came and He died for the whole entire world. But if there was just one person on the world, I believe with all my heart, He still would have came and died for that one person. Because God loves so the next question, logically, is where's lunch, Pastor? Now, you might be saying, well, I don't know about you, but I get my 15-minute break in there somewhere. Yeah, don't take it too far now. Where's lunch? What are you having for lunch? What do you think about when it's lunch time? Sometimes we get 30-minute lunches. I remember working for the state of Texas. I worked a 12-hour shift and got a 30-minute lunch. I don't think that's very fair. That's right. Got no breaks. And when I was a supervisor, I very seldom got lunch. And I would go to my supervisors and say, how come I don't get a break? And they would say, because you've got to be in charge. And I started realizing, well, they don't think very highly of me, do they? Of course, you might say, well, some sort of reverse psychology that takes so high of you, they just let me handle it all. No, that's exactly what they want you to think. No. You deserve it. Now, I'm not here preaching some workers' revolution today. Strike, get your lunch. Let's pull out our sides and say it's unfair, unfair. They're not giving me a full hour lunch. No, that's not what I'm telling you to do. What I'm telling you, look, as Christians, you get a lunch too. You do. God gives you a lunch break. You know what lunch is? Lunch in Christianity is church time. Lunch is church time. Look at me in Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Look at the author of Hebrews. He is on the same subject that the Apostle Paul is, which helps me believe that the author of Hebrews was Paul. I'm going to do that right there. He said, look, you see the day coming. Get up. Rise up. Wake up. And by the way, get yourself into church. Have lunch with your fellow believers. Spend time eating, digesting, reading God's Word. 
But what about God's Word? Look at me again. What First Peter two two. Let's take a look at what our food is. First Peter two two. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You've also heard it said throughout the scriptures, God's word is bread. It's our daily bread. It's also our newborn milk. God's word. You get lunch. You get lunch Sunday morning. You get lunch Sunday night. You get lunch Wednesday night. If you go to the ladies' Bible study, you get lunch Tuesday morning. Lunch Tuesday night. Men's Bible study, lunch Thursday night. Men's perfect if you get breakfast too. You get lunch. The Bible tells us you need to be with your brothers and sisters. Don't be one of those who says, I don't need to be at lunch. Perhaps you're online right now. Say, I can't find a church that has my biblical principles. Oh, you holier than thou art. You need to get yourself into church where God's people not just need you, but you need God's church as well. You need to be with God's people, feasting on God's Word, and quit acting like you're the only one who's got it all figured out because you are completely wrong if you're out of church today. Here's the deal, though. We have a start time when you met Jesus Christ. You have a lunch time. You have a break time. You have a time where you get to renew your energy, eating, feasting, fellowshipping with God's people in God's house on God's Word. Now, here in many jobs, going to lunch on schedule is just as important as coming to work on time. As I said earlier, you kind of alluded to that. When you are given a lunch time, a lot of supervisors come by and say, you need to go to lunch right now. You ever been to Walmart? I know you have because we're bad this and as you go to Walmart, and you're up there at the cash register, and out of a sudden, the, the service manager will walk by, turn off your cash. Well, it's really hard to get a register worker nowadays. They always want you to, to do the self-checkout. I have been tempted to go back to the break room and, like, it's my time for break. Um, I'm an employee here for the self-checkout line. Anyways, with that being said, though, you ever been going to that Walmart line, and they come up, flip the light out, and they tell you, as a customer, whoever comes behind you, tell them they're closed. You ever had that before? And of course, you're a courteous. You're a Christian. You want to do the right thing. You'll turn around to the next person who pulls up on you and say, Hey, she's closed. Or he's closed. Whatever it may be. And they'll tell that person, as soon as you get done, go to lunch. Why? Because they have a schedule they must keep. They have a mandate that keeps them going. Their insurance keeps them going. That employee must go to lunch. And this time, they can only work so long and then go to lunch. Well, lunch time is important in many secular jobs. And I want you to know something. You've got a job in Jesus Christ. And lunch time, dinner time, breakfast time, fellowship time is important in God's job. You need to get yourself to church. Now, some of you might be saying once again, I'm too important to go to lunch. I'm too manly to go to lunch. I'm too needy to go to lunch. You know what happens when you don't get filled with God's Word? You end up becoming empty. And when you're empty, you've got nothing left to feed, nothing left to give, nothing left to show. How do I know that? Because I've been there in those shoes trying to feed people when I was empty myself. Get yourself back to church. Get yourself back to God's house. Get yourself back in fellowship with God's people. And you'll have something to do <coughs> Of course, the final question is, what about quitting time? That's our favorite one, quitting time. You ever sing that old song in Christianity? <coughs> in quitting time in Christianity? You know what quitting time is in your secular job? Because you don't... <coughs> I just lost my voice. <coughs> I did this last year. Forgive me, please. 
It's the allergy time for me. Well, what about quitting time? What about quitting time in your secular job? Thank you, kind sir. What about quitting time? When you're in your secular job, that's all you care about after lunch is, well, 5 o'clock is coming because I get to go home. I get to go home. And your job, your boss is worried about that as well because the boss says, I don't want to pay all the time. Especially you have some mid-level manager who doesn't get all the time either. And they're like, I can't justify why I let you stay late for work. Here's the deal, though. In Christianity, you ever sing that song, We'll Work Till Jesus Comes? You ever sing it? I know you sing it here in Robinson Avenue. We'll work till Jesus comes. Then we'll be gathered home. That's quitting time in Christianity. You get a start time. You get plenty of lunches, plenty of breaks. But you don't quit until the Son of God comes back. Now look at what the Bible says. Let's take a look at what it says to us about that. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Don't quit. You may stumble. You may trip. You may get tired. You may need a break. But don't quit. Right now, if you were to look at statistics from Southern Baptist Pastor Life, right now there is a 40% chance your pastor will quit. 40% chance. That's scary, isn't it? Right now in our association, we are looking at three unpastored churches. And on top of that is yearly. Those pastors that have been preaching 10, 15, 20 years are quitting, saying, I've had enough of it. I'm going to a secular job. Scary, isn't it? The Bible tells us we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You've got God's Word. You've got God's people. You've got God's Spirit. You've got the testimony of what's happened in the past. And you've got such a great cloud of witnesses. Lay aside those weights that are hindering you. Lay aside those, those, lay aside those things that are tipping you up. And you get back to running. Get back to doing what God's called you to do. Get back to being in God's house. Doing what God has called you to do. If God called you to worship, worship. If God called you to lead, worship, lead, worship. If God called you to be the witness, witness. You know what I'm talking about, and I'm talking to you this morning. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? This is the Apostle Paul telling us, run in such a way that you may obtain it. Run like you want to win it. Work, Christian, like you want to win the prize. Work like you're going to be the employee of the year. And don't stop, but just take the breath. Oh my goodness, this damn thing is no longer just a job. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. Look at me again in Romans 13 11. And do this, says the Apostle Paul. Do this, knowing the time. Now, high time to awake. That's it. He's addressing those who said, I'm going to be late. I'm going to purposely be late. I'm going to get up late. I'm going to go to work late. I'm going to tell the boss a whopper. And I'm going to come in late and I'm going to leave early. The Apostle Paul. Now it's high time to awake out of sleep, and now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Now, right now, is even closer to Christ's return than we've ever had before. Look at the world today. 
right now, if you were to look at Israel, a lot of us would be thinking, oh my goodness, Jesus is coming back right now. If you were to look at the spread of Islam throughout the world, you could say, Jesus Christ is coming back tomorrow. If you were to look at the spread of socialism, as the Bible tells us, there'll be one world government, one world religion, one world monetary purpose, a cashless society, a globalist society, a society that has no borders, etc., etc., etc. So it seems like it's getting close, doesn't it? Why are we asleep? Why are we asleep? Paul tells us, get up! Sound the alarm! Get up! Ring the bells! Get up! Get back to work! And look at me in Joel chapter 2, verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. For it is at hand. Right now is the time for you to get back to Jesus. Right now is the time for you to come back home. Right now is the time for you to get saved. You might be saying, Pastor, how do I get a job with, with God? Get saved. Pastor, how do I have a relationship with God? Get saved. Pastor, how do I get back to God? Come back home and repent. Pastor, how do I become a part of Robertson Avenue? Come down the aisle and be a part of God's church. You say, Pastor, I need to be baptized. Come down the aisle and share that with us. Let's save you today. You say, I've heard the alarm. I'm getting up. We're going to have a word of prayer. If he's spoken to you this morning, I'm going to ask you to humble yourself and come. Pastor, say, Brother Josh, I need to get saved. Would you be willing to come and put them in your heart today? Make them Lord and Savior of your life. Would you say, I need the Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me, to direct me? Then would you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and speak to you? Or perhaps you say, Pastor, I am a Christian. I am a church member. I am saved. I am baptized. But I've become so complacent. I kind of hid the corner. And I'm letting people work all around me saying, Woo! I'll just keep on supporting them, right? With my, my mouth. You need to get involved. You need to get involved. Pastor, today you've been convicted. Would you be willing to come today and say, I need to get into what God is calling me to do. Whatever the case may be, we're going to have a word of prayer. And if He has spoken to you this morning, would you be willing to come and humble yourself? Let's pray together. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. Oh, how thank you for your word. Your word is quick and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I ask you to take charge, even now, Lord, of this time. If there's anyone that needs to come to know you, anyone who needs to get right with you, do that today. Do that day. Bless us now. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and anoint us, Father, so it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you come as we sing? There is a fountain. Would you come this morning? Would you come? Come on. Come on.
come this morning. Come on. Put Jesus in your heart this morning. Don't forget, today, 4.30, Katana Practice over in the main office. Don't forget, 6 o'clock in the evening, worship right here in the sanctuary. Don't forget, Monday night, talk person in prayer about that. Come join us at 6 p.m., share the gospel, and uh, help us in our family outreach right there. Also, uh, don't forget our upcoming Bible studies as well. Uh, prayerfully consider being a part of our Fifth Sunday singing, and prayerfully consider being a part of our outreach at 6 o'clock Sunday evening. Dinner and so let's close in that word of prayer. Now we'll see you guys. Hopefully this evening. Oh my goodness. I'm going to ask uh, one lone back in the back down to the booth up here. Brother CD, would you close with some prayer?
testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, that's a lot better. That's good, right? 